It says, first, first, I have to address the error and the evil in me. I have to allow the story of scripture and the person of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit to sanctify me first and to work on me. And I'm always a work in progress, but but there are some obvious things that need to be taken care of first before I try to minister to somebody else. Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Each week I visit with Wes McAdams, minister and author, and together we explore biblical passages and topics. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, Wes, we're back to the Bible Study Podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Good. I'm excited to be back. I know, we, we've sort of kind of peek behind the curtain here but you know we've kind of delayed putting out and recording some of these these episodes because of everything that's going on in the world the pandemic has created a bigger job load for you and for me and and so we have been doing more content production but it's been the content of sunday worship and wednesday bible class and in those kind of things and so because we've had so much else going on and, and been ministering to people here in digital ways uh, <laughs> our 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 podcast ministry has kind of become less less important but i hope hopefully we can start to get back to that and and record some of these and so i'm i'm super excited about recording another one likewise well i thought we would instead of taking a question from um, the audience we we do have several questions and i feel bad for not getting to those yet but i'd like to do a series of of episodes so this may be part 1 in in a few episodes that we end up recording talking about the questions that we ask when it comes to Scripture. I actually did a Bible class here not too long ago. Um, I called it Any Questions, and I allowed people to submit questions, but not for the purpose of answering them, Mm. for the purpose of allowing people to see how they might be answered if they were asking that question or a question that was similar. And so we took each question and used it as an example and said, okay, if you have a question like this, here's how you might go about studying the scriptures to find the answer to that question. Right. Um, and so we we use the questions more as an example or a springboard to to begin to answer questions like that or to equip the, the class with the tools necessary to answer their own questions. Right. Kind of feel like it's the difference between, you know, giving a man a fish and teaching a man a fish. Sure, and I yeah. think too often we we do that when it comes to Bible questions Instead of searching the scriptures diligently, you know, and and trying to find an answer, we just ask somebody that we trust, you know, and I mean, obviously it's it's encouraging that people want, you know, us to discuss some of the questions and, and that's not a bad thing and we'll continue to do that. And hopefully in the process of us explaining why, well, here's the conclusion to which I've come, we they help to or that helps them to see how we got how we got that that answer right um, help you know kind of show our work to, to yeah. know this is this is kind of how you arrive at that conclusion but there's some big picture stuff that I want to I want to cover about asking biblical questions or asking questions about the Bible in fact that might be a good place to start mm. there's a very big difference between those two sentences that I just said there's a difference between asking biblical questions and asking questions of the Bible mm. When we ask biblical questions, we're asking the same questions that the people in the story, and when I say story, I, I even mean like the epistles, you know, there, there's, there are people in that story. 
you know, if you take the book of Ephesians, this right. is Paul. He's a person in the story, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus. They're a person in the story. And the people in the story, both Paul and the Ephesian church, are asking questions. So asking a biblical question is repeating their question. Here's what they were wondering. Here's what they were asking. Here's yeah. what's going on in that context. So there are biblical questions that come straight from the text, and there are questions that are in our mind that we're asking of the text that aren't necessarily questions that the people in the story were asking. Right. And that's the difference between, if we want to use big words, that's the difference between inductive Bible study, study and deductive Bible study. Mm. Deductive Bible study is what we tend to do. So we ask a question like, what does the Bible say about piercings? What does the Bible say about tattoos? What does the Bible say about uh, voting? What does the Bible say about whatever? So right. you know, fill in the blank. Well, I mean, those are deductive questions where we're saying, I have a question about my life, about my world, about my context, about my culture, and then I'm going to go to Scripture and try to find the answer to it. Um, I'm going to deduce what Scripture might say, what what God's will might be on this subject based on what what I can find in Scripture. Um, That's... That's one way to study the Bible. I do not think that deductive Bible study should be our primary way of studying the Bible, but unfortunately, right. I feel like it is. Mm. I feel like we do that um, both knowingly and unknowingly, subconsciously mm-hmm. and consciously. So sometimes we do it, and like we'll, we'll even I mean, we get most of the questions that we get, you know, that people email into us. And again, there's nothing wrong with those questions. Are deductive questions? You know, what if an elder's wife dies? Does he have to step down as an elder? You know, we get questions like that right. all the time. Or, you know, what about clapping during worship? Well, those are all deductive questions. And and they're actually questions that not only was the original audience not asking, it, they're not even really addressed. And so right. they're trying to find an answer to a question that isn't a biblical question. It doesn't mean it's a sinful question or a wrong right. question. It just means it's not a question in the text. And so most of our questions tend to be deductive, but we also sometimes subconsciously ask deductive questions. We don't even realize we're doing it. Mm. We'll open up the Bible and we read devotionally. Um, And again, there's nothing wrong with devotional style reading, but what we don't realize is that we're often asking questions in our mind where we're struggling with something, you know, something's going on in our life. We're you know, we're having a bad day or we just had a breakup or, you know, we're depressed or there's right. a worldwide pandemic or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so we're reading and we're, we're, we're deductively asking, what does this verse right here? And we're not even casting a wide net over the entirety of scripture. Most of the time we're like opening up to a random passage and saying, what does this verse say about my situation? Right. Well, that's a deductive question. And, and I think that we have to be okay with the answer. And here, here's, if I make no other point in this first lesson, here's the main point that I want to make. That when we ask deductive questions, we have to be okay with the answer, the Bible doesn't say yeah. anything about that. The Bible doesn't answer that question. And I, I think that's, that's one of the most difficult assumptions difficult myths maybe to bust. Well, this is our Bible Mythbusters episode. <laughs> um, a, a myth that we have is that the Bible answers all of our questions. Right. I think that's a myth. Yeah. The Bible doesn't answer all of our questions. I was thinking about um, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is what Scripture is sufficient to do. It's, it's sufficient for equipping you to do the good works of God in righteousness, to live out a faithful covenant relationship with God. Right. It's not sufficient to answer all of your curious questions. You know, and, that, and that's the thing is that some of our questions are just curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or they may even be practical questions. They may go beyond just curiosity. Like, what do you do if an elder has a wife who passes away while he's serving? as an elder? Is he still the husband of one wife? Does he need to step down? And so some of our questions may be very practical, but we have to be okay with the answer. The Bible doesn't answer that question. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're not okay with that. Like we want to press it until it answers that question and that can be problematic. Yeah. I think, you know, I've been thinking about this slightly that, um, one of the things Jesus addresses with the with the Pharisees at the time of his of his coming to earth was that they were they were taking the the law and they were you know building laws around it yeah. they were you know they, they'd stopped understanding what the law actually meant for them yeah. and you know I think the epistles from from his followers are are intended to tell us don't do that again. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Because we're give you're you're, you're going to have more material. We want you to know about Jesus. We want you to know his story here on earth. We want you to know it so bad we're going to tell you four times in different ways. And yeah. and and they were passing around probably more stories than we even have in the New Testament today. And. I, there is sort of this message of don't let that happen again. This is not something that is going to, you know, there's never even a point where you can reference something as if it were the 10 commandments in the mm, new Testament. Yes. Yes. That's, that's so good. How do you build a legalistic always answer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, question answering document out of the new Testament mm-hmm. because it's all written like a story, even mm-hmm. to we were to just talking about the epistles. Yeah have a story they yeah. there's and they're answering typically their answer I, i've had to remind myself lately they're answering specific questions at the time yes yeah but that doesn't mean that it it's it's not you know it's it's rooted in truth yes it makes it's me applicable th- and relevant yeah. yeah absolutely it makes me think even of when jesus would tell a parable and he would say uh the kingdom of heaven is like He'd tell a story, mm-hmm. and then it, uh, there's at least one case where his, his followers, they don't understand what he's saying. And oh, he says, for sure. He says, how am I going to tell you about heavenly? I just told you something earthly. Yeah. Remember I said the kingdom of heaven is like, yeah. and then I told you about an earthly situation. How are you going to understand if I tell you about heaven for real yeah. if you can't even understand these earthly situations yeah. I'm painting for you? Yeah. And I, I was just thinking about that and kind of meditating on that, like, what he was actually saying there. And one of the things I've gotten out of it is just, you know, the, the Bible, the new Testament for us specifically is addressing some very specific things. It's telling very specific stories about things that happen. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's more intended to change me from the inside out as opposed to give me a, a sheet that I can carry around yeah. and always reference throughout the day. You know? Well, and I, I mean, you're hitting on so many great points. And I think that, I think that one of the, the truths, even about the law, mm. even about the Torah, you know, even about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So you have the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the, the law of Moses. Yeah. Even that 
didn't address every situation. Right. There were a million situations that it yeah. didn't address. Um, you know, we were, I was talking to a couple the other day and we were talking about uh, the divorce laws uh, and we were looking at Deuteronomy 24 and talking about what Moses said about divorce. Like, it's a very specific situation, like very specific. Yeah. The, the situation that Moses lays out in Deuteronomy is, okay, there's a man, it doesn't say okay, that I just inserted that. <laughs> there's a man that marries a woman and then, and then she doesn't find favor in his eyes because he finds some unclean thing in her mm. and and the scenario goes on he puts her away and writes her a certificate of divorce and she remarries another man and he decides that he wants to take her back and that's where the law says no you cannot take her back that would be an abomination it would bring a curse upon the land ah. so it's a very very specific situation yeah. that there's a woman who does something wrong and you know then in Jesus' day, they were debating that, like, what kind of, you know, thing did she do wrong? And he found some unclean thing in her, like, what does that mean? And, and right. what's the ground for divorce? Da, 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 da. So there are a million situations like that, that the law in, in Scripture covers like a very specific type of situation. Right. A man steals your goat, or you're walking along and your enemy has an ox in the ditch, well, what if it's not an ox? What if his chickens got loose? You know, right. and so there's a million situations that aren't covered specifically in the law. There are there are so many situations. There are like 600 specific situations. If this scenario plays out, here's what you do. Now, you could either say, well, God doesn't care about any of those other situations. If God cared about it, he would have addressed those. Well, maybe, or maybe, maybe the intention of the law is to make you wise, mm. to shape you, like you said, to change you in such a way, to shape you in such a way that you become a wise covenant member of God's family so that you understand, well, if this was the situation, and Paul even did that. He said, the law said, when when you have an ox who's treading out the grain, and you, you think about the, the the ox going around in the, in, in the, you know, treading the grain. Yeah. And he says, the law says, don't muzzle an ox. Well, Paul extrapolated from that and said, well, if that's true, then when someone is working in the gospel and somebody is, is teaching the gospel, then you ought to pay them. An ox who's treading out the grain ought to be able to eat the grain that he's treading out. You yeah. shouldn't muzzle him while he's treading out the grain. You should let him eat. And, and he said, if that's true, if God cares about the ox and he cares that the ox has something to eat, then he cares about the mule and he cares about the cow, and he cares about the human. And so if there's a human who's making his life teaching the gospel, then he ought to be able to be supported in that lifestyle. So yeah. don't muzzle your preacher and let him make you know a, a living from, from preaching the gospel. Right. And so the intention of the law was to make people wise. Mm. And Jesus' whole point was, if the law had really made you wise, then when I showed up, when the Messiah showed up, when the Son of Man showed up, you would have recognized him. You would have mm. run to him. And the fact that you didn't run to me, the fact that you didn't run to the Messiah, proves that you really don't know the law and you don't right. know the God behind the law. But you're exactly right in that we've taken the epistles and the gospels and we've tried to make them like second Leviticus or, or whatever, and we've tried to make them cover every specific scenario. And it's like, well, maybe... Maybe the intention is for us to ingest them and to enter into. Here's 
the healthy way I think that we should think of Scripture is enter into the narrative of Scripture, enter into the story of Scripture. Now, does that mean that we we just are so vague and ambiguous about like specific rules? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that that we become you know just kind of wishy washy and say, well, that might not apply to me, and maybe that's not how I see it, and you know, no, 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 not at all. In fact. Paul, again, like when he's interpreting treading out the grain, I mean, he's he's very restrictive. Like you don't have the option of not supporting evangelists because here's what the law says. Right. Here's how it should make you wise. And so there is a right way and a wrong way to be yeah. part of this story and to live out this story. But we have to recognize that there's just a whole lot of things that aren't specifically covered by a chapter and verse. But when you take the entire story when you take the entire narrative with Jesus being the climax of that story, with Jesus being the pinnacle of that story, and you you enter into it and bring you let it dwell in you. This is what Paul said. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He doesn't mean like memorize a bunch of scripture, like right. memorize book, chapter, and verse, right. not downgrading, you know, memorizing scripture, but he means let this whole message of Jesus dwell in you richly. Mm. Then you live out a wise life in the context of, of Colossians chapter 3 right there, and in Ephesians 5 when he says, you know, um, let the or be filled with the Spirit, he's talking about wisdom. It's all about wisdom. And once, once you are trained in Scripture, this is what Paul is saying in 2 Timothy 3. He's saying, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Hmm. When you're trained in righteousness— you become wise. And so you know, hey, if my enemy has an ox that's in the ditch, I'm supposed to help him out, or I'm supposed to return his animal to him if it gets loose, then maybe that means I'm supposed to love my enemy. Mm. And what if my enemy is hungry? Or what if my enemy is thirsty? Right. Is that law any less applicable to that? Mm-hmm. And so it's supposed to be something on which we meditate, something in which we're, we're, we're being trained so that we're wise. And it, it actually shapes, it shapes our underlying assumptions so that when we ask questions, we ask better questions. Mm-hmm. questions. So I think that to me is one of the biggest things is that sometimes our deductive questions yeah. are not the best. I always say there's no wrong question or there's no bad question, but some questions are better than others. Yeah. And so there are some questions that that reveal a better assumption. It yeah. reveals better preconceived ideas. We all have assumptions. We all have biases. We all have preconceived sure. ideas about scripture, even if our preconceived idea was simply I think scripture answers every question I have, sure. you know, specifically. And and that's an assumption. But I think the more we are trained in the scriptures, trained by the gospel, trained by the message of Jesus, the better our questions start to get. I apologize for the interruption, but if you're enjoying this Bible study, you might also enjoy the audio version of my book, Beyond the Verse. If you're not already an Audible subscriber, you can get the book for free with a 30-day free trial of Audible. Just visit radicallychristian.com audible. Now, back to the Bible study. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking, talking about, like, asking better questions, uh, I think about I, so I've I've had to kind of face like well what am I actually going to scripture for? Am I going to am I asking questions of it 
to change me or mm. change somebody else. Because yeah. I think, I think a lot of time, like I've noticed that the questions I ask <laughs> when I'm think when I have somebody somebody else in mind, whether it's somebody specific, yeah. a group of people, yeah. an ideology, yeah. um, I ask really dumb questions. Yeah. But when I go and I'm asking about myself. They're usually softball questions it's at the at the beginning, but they're better yeah. questions. Yeah. Yeah. And they're maybe a little bit broader, and maybe it's going to take some time studying a specific passage of Scripture, studying a, a specific book. Um, I find that if I'm asking broader questions, and it's to change me, it's in order because I, I, I need to be better. I yeah. need to get better at this. I ask broader questions that lead me to bigger parts of Scripture, Whereas when I'm asking dumber questions about changing somebody else, you know, I want to have this answer ready, you know, next time I see so-and-so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it really, it's, I hope it's not too shocking that somebody could be that petty, but it, it's true. Yeah. And when I ask those, those lead me to verses. Yeah. But when I ask good questions of, well, I need to be better, it leads me to bigger passages yeah. and it, it actually, it, you know, how can that not be good? It makes me put more right. work in. Like yes. it makes me read contextualized more. answers. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That is so good, Travis, because I think that the way I grew up thinking about scripture, and I don't know why, again, I mean, I, sometimes when I talk about how I grew up, I don't want it to reflect negatively on my parents because right. I don't think this came from them. But I think, I think it's a typical way of reading scripture that we, we use scripture as ammunition. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how I grew up you know, reading the Bible is I want ammunition. Like yeah. how do I, I even, I even had ways of highlighting my Bible that was <laughs> it's, it's, now looking back at it. It seems, it seems so ridiculous to yeah. read the Bible that way. I had ways of highlighting my Bible to use as ammunition against other people. You know, here, if I'm studying with a person that has this ideology, here are right. the verses that I use for them. Here, here are the verses that I use. Now, I mean, that's not, always wrong right you know i mean th there are appropriate times to say hey sure this this story or this this passage or this chapter it really helps to expose the error in mm -hmm. in what you're thinking but that has to be done in love but but we have to primarily and i think i love the way you said all that because i have to first address the evil in me. Mm. I, I first have to address the error in me. And so often when we go to scripture, we want to use it to address the error in others. This is exactly what right. Jesus said when he said, listen, you have a plank of wood in your eye. Like you've got this huge two by four sticking out your face and you're going to try to pick out a, a speck out of somebody else's yeah. eye. Take the two by four out of your eye first, and then you can see clearly to yeah. help the person with the speck. That that doesn't mean that we never help the person with the speck. There's right. an appropriate time to say, brother, I love you. And because I love you, let me show you what this says. But it says, first, first, I have to address the error and the evil in me. I have to allow the story of Scripture and the person of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit to sanctify me first and to work on me. And I'm always a work in progress, but but there are some obvious things that need to be taken care yeah. of first before I try to minister to somebody else. Yeah, and I, I think, man, I just keep coming back to how, how important it is to... to like you said, ask, ask better questions that no, no questions bad. And there's no, I, I certainly don't think there's any topic that is uh, unmentionable amongst right. the faith that it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, we need, we need to talk about everything we need to, right. because 
especially in, in, in the context of a community of believers, you want to you want to think, and I think it's readily apparent if there is a community of believers and that community is thriving to some degree, okay, then there's wise people here. There's people that can help yeah. you. Yeah. And so maybe some of those questions are more appropriate with other Christians, people yeah. who've been made wise by yeah. their study of scripture. And like, that's a resource for us. I, I think sometimes I know it's easy to get a little scared when it comes to the Bible, because it's like, well, if the Bible doesn't answer it, then how am I going to know? You know, yeah. I don't, I, I don't hear God talking to me. I don't, we don't have prophets coming forth. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, um, as if that would be really obvious, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Which we wouldn't learn anything from scripture if we thought that, but, yeah. um, but I, I've come to appreciate more and more that it's like, well, I think if we're to take the story of, of scripture for what it is, and if we're to trust that Jesus, you know, like he talks about with Peter, you know, that he's, he's making a church and it's not going to, it's, it's no matter what happens going forward, the church is going to stand. Well, then I bet we have plenty of people today that can help us that, that have an authority on being wise and, and guiding us down the right path. So it's like, Obviously, I think we need to be in Scripture, but I think maybe there's also for those questions, maybe the more um, transparent of questions Mm -hmm. that we have to ask, maybe those are better answered by people who have been changed by Scripture. Absolutely. And you're you're making such a great point, and I I think it highlights something that, that is, again, a a product of the time in which we live Mm -hmm. in our context, is that we think that personal Bible study is a thing. Mm. Like, it is a thing, and it's a good thing, right. but it's not a timeless thing. Yeah, it is, a, it is a phenomenon that is very unique to our specific context. Huh. That's what, something that it's just, you know, to me, just kind of an interesting tidbit, yeah. is that, that Christians in the first century did not practice personal Bible study. Like we, we feel like, you know, that, right. that every Christian needs to, you know, you need to be involved in personal Bible study. Well, I agree with that because we have the benefit of having the Bible in our own language right. and, and in a, in a format that we can, we can read and we tend to be literate people, tend to be literate people. The, the vast majority though of human beings throughout the last 2000 years of church history yeah. have been illiterate have not had access to the scriptures in their own language mm-hmm. and have not had the ability to mass produce scripture. Right. It was only 500 years ago or so that they had the ability to mass produce books. Yeah. Before that, you had to be a library, a, a, a repository for for written material, right. or you had to be extremely wealthy, or you had to be a theologian or something in order to have access to the written word. People didn't have access to the written word, right. and and then you have Catholicism that you know didn't allow for a lot of period of history, didn't allow the the Latin Vulgate to or Scripture to be translated in any other way than than through the Latin Vulgate, and so you had people like Martin Luther that was fighting to have it translated into German. You had people in England that were fighting the Church of England in order to have it you know translated into English. You had people that died in order to get the scriptures in their native language. And to this day, there are people groups around the world, small people groups, small language groups that don't have the scriptures in their own language. 
So what do you do? Well, for the most part, for the vast majority of human history, if people were going to be followers of Jesus, they studied the scriptures in community. They studied the scriptures as a group. That, that shouldn't be surprising to us. We live in a very hyper-individualistic society yeah. that tends to think about our own personal walk with Jesus. Now, I'm not discounting that at all, because we, we cannot have a vicarious faith. Right. I can't say, well, you know, I'm a part of a church, so obviously I'm a faithful Christian. It's like, well, no, that, yeah. like you need to have a personal faith in the Lord, and you need to have your own personal discipleship. You mm-hmm. need to follow Jesus personally. But that doesn't mean in isolation. That doesn't mean disconnected from the community of faith. And you're exactly right. We have to work these questions out together, mm-hmm. not individually, not in a sense that says, well, hey, listen, you, you come to your own interpretations. I'll come to my own interpretations. That's never been the way that it works. The scripture was all in the first century. When a letter came in, it wasn't like they said, okay, let's uh, let's make, well, I mean, they did, they did make copies and they did, you know, pass right. those things around, but it wasn't like they had, for the first hundred years of church history, it wasn't like every disciple had a collection of the 27 books of the New Testament right. in their house that they could just personally study on their own, or for that matter, the 39 books of the, of the Hebrew scriptures. They didn't have access to that. They might have had access to some of it as a church family, as yeah. a group. So when they read me again the letter from Paul, read me again the letter from Peter. And so they would read it as a group and they would ask their questions and they would work out all of those questions and, mm-hmm. and thoughts and answers together as a church community. Now, would people come to different conclusions? Absolutely, which is where Romans 14 comes into play. And there were differences of what Paul calls dialogismos, mm. opinions or conclusions to which people came. And so we might read a letter together and you're like, well, no, listen, this is the way. And I think, no, no, Paul is saying this. And we we have a difficult time. And Paul says, welcome each other in spite of your differences of dialogismos, in spite of your differences of opinion, welcome each other, yeah. uh, embrace each other as family. In, in spite of the fact that you're not going to see everything the same way, um, different cultural backgrounds, different ways of interpreting, different ways of seeing things. So yeah, there are going to be matters of opinion, but to your point, the the intention of God, the intention of Jesus was always that we would read the scriptures together as a family and that we would work out our questions together. That's why we have people who have devoted their life to teaching the gospel of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We, we have people that have said, listen, I'm not going to work a different job because I'm going to devote all of my time and all of my energy to teaching and reading and studying the good news of Jesus. And I'm going to devote myself to that, to the proclamation, to the knowing and the proclaiming of the this biblical truth. And we have other people that have, you know, devoted themselves to being shepherds, and we have people that have devoted themselves to being deacons. And, you know, we have all of these people that work together as a collective group to say, let's work out all of these questions together as a family. And so you're exactly right. I think too often we try to ask our questions personally. Yeah. Again, there's a place for that. I'm sure. not saying there's not, but we're, we're very privileged right now in in our culture to have a copy of this. I mean, I have my iPad in my hand that has, I don't even know how many translations. I think I might be able to read it on my watch if I really wanted to. He has an Apple watch just for the the listening audience. But yeah, that's exactly. So, I mean, we, we sometimes forget just how privileged we are. And I don't want to say blessed. I don't want to use the word blessed for that. Yeah. I do think it's a blessing, but so were the people that were illiterate 
who lived, you know, several hundred years ago and were part of a church family where they read the scriptures together as a family. They were blessed yeah. as well. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the, mm-hmm. you know, um, those that are persecuted. So, yeah, I mean, they, they were blessed as well, but we have we have a particular um, opportunity mm-hmm. to study the scriptures more and to study the scriptures in, individually, but it should never take the place of collective study of collective question and asking and answering and so you're exactly right we need to ask those questions not only of learned and studied individuals Mm -hmm. but also together as a as a family because even even the children bring Mm -hmm. and i say children you know both literally and metaphorically those that are new in the faith some of the best questions that i've ever heard asked are by people that are new to the faith, and I yeah. think, man, why do I not ask questions like that? But they ask it because they're looking at it with a fresh set of eyes, yeah. and so their questions their questions themselves are enlightening. And mm-hmm. so I have a new perspective on the scriptures because they ask this question, why did David do that? Why did you know Moses do that? And I think, why didn't I ever think to ask that question? But they, they have this fresh perspective. So it's so important that the young and the old, the, the studied and, and the illiterate all come together and study together and ask these questions together as a family. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauly as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.